At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Syracuse Sports Make Me Drink here on the Trainings and Absolute Magician Podcast Network. Um, we are now broadcasting from Blog Talk Radio and I believe uh, Dan is also on the line. I'm here. Hooray! So it works. For those who nice. are avid listeners, we're usually on a different platform. This is our first time trying this one out. So so far so good, right, Dan? Yeah, it seems to be uh, seems to be going well. Um, we didn't get our our normal pre-podcast discussion in, uh, <laughs> but that's fine. We can carry it over here, I guess. Yeah, I figured. In some ways, that was always fun. In other ways, this is actually um, we, we get to carry all the entertaining quips over the first time rather than trying to remember and repurposing stuff. True. So now, I mean, you guys have only gotten a, uh, a glimpse of how much we hate on SUNJ and UConn. <laughs> to, re- to really get the full breadth of it, you kind of need to be there from the beginning. Yeah, so now everything is going to be straight from from the source, uh, not as... You know, we're not going to be digging back uh, through whatever we had said 45 minutes earlier, and we don't need to, you know, in the middle of a conversation, go, oh, let's save this. So it's going to be a real, uh, I don't know, it's going to be very authentic now, I guess, if it wasn't before. <laughs> the audio quality is also a lot better, at least from my end. I don't know about you, Dan. Uh, yeah, sounds, sounds, you know, I never had major issue with it, but it sounds pretty good. All right, so uh, there's not much to talk about football-wise this week. Um, that's totally fine. Actually, We're I think we have... It looks, like, <laughs> it looks like Matt's on the line. What's that? Hello? Matt, is that you? Yes, it is. You're here. No, sorry, I just on my end, I just need to unmute folks when they come in. So you're good. All right, so uh, Matt, we were just uh, about to jump into some basketball talk. What's that? We were about to jump into some basketball talk, so you're oh, right on time. You. Awesome. Dan, you were saying? No, it's. Uh, I was saying it's everything sounds good on my end, so obviously this is very entertaining radio right now. <laughs> <laughs> and so I guess uh, St. John's games was interesting. I'm not going to say it was impressive, because I don't think it was, but I, I don't think it was bad either. I think that there was a, a – I think we saw the kind of top level of what this team can be and also the bottom at the within like a 10-minute stretch, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it was um, It was definitely an interesting game. Um, I don't think St. John's is that bad, so I think the win will probably end up looking pretty solid down the road. Um, and they got uh, some – like Rishi Jordan, who – 
some Syracuse fans will remember from the fact that we were recruiting him pretty heavily against St. John's and Temple down the stretch, uh, but, you know, he didn't want to sit behind Tyler Ennis, I guess, um, has been really not a non-factor for St. John's, even though he was, you know, brought in to start right from day one, and he has. Um, and he had a, a easily his best game of the season against Syracuse um, and gave Ennis some trouble, especially during that second-half run. Um, and then SU just went really ice-cold for a long portion of the second half, but uh, in the beginning of the game, you know, Syracuse looked great. Um, at the end of the game, Syracuse looked really good uh, to close things out. Um, so it wasn't the prettiest win, but it was fun to be in the garden. The atmosphere was really good. Uh, and, I, again, I think the win will look pretty good coming March because I think St. John's will probably only get better. They're very young. I completely agree. I think St. John's is absolutely <clears throat> a team that has a lot of the pieces. It just doesn't know what order they go in to kind of form the puzzle. Uh, but Rashid Jordan, who had, I think it's a career high, only a freshman, only actually played in a few games so far, but uh, 13 points was money at the free throw line. He was giving Lavin during that second half run everything he needed. And I thought the biggest difference in the game for what St. John's kind of wants to be as to opposed to what it is was C.J. Fair. Syracuse had that guy. And, of course, you know, Tyler played amazing. and uh, A lot of things kind of bounced Syracuse's way when it needed to. But Fair being the guy at the end of the game, a lot of these offenses, everything doesn't necessarily have to go in and out of his hands, but just the fact that he's there he's going to get that bucket either, you know, in the baseline screen where he comes free or just a tip in or whatever it may be. Syracuse has that guy that's been there and done that. And I honestly, I thought he was different in the game. I was completely surprised at the way Syracuse dominated the first half because, again, I, I do think St. John's is a, a good team. It just, it's got to find itself. It's, things aren't clicking entirely this year. Last year didn't click for St. John's for, for reasons, kind of lack of talent, I think, and because there were some clashing personalities this year, I do think they're all in as much as it can be all in. You know, D'Angelo Harrison has, has changed his, his mentality, at least from my vantage point of, of this team. And um, so I, I think there's pieces there. But it just simply, when things get crazy, they don't have that calming presence like Syracuse does and CJ Fair. And that was really, I thought, a, a fun part. You know, Ennis and his development in that game, and so far all season, he's been remarkable. You know, not necessarily putting up Jabari Parker type numbers, or you know anyone else, uh, any of the you know fabulous freshmen, but he has just been as smooth as it gets, which is what you need out of your point. And CJ took over in, in ways that CJ Fair takes over, and that was the deciding factor, kind of ultimately. And that's exactly what Syracuse needs, and that's exactly what St. John's is still missing. Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point, Matt, and it's something that. Um, you know, for some reason every year, and we talked about this in a couple of the other shows, it's completely underrated is that, is that you know, just veteran, veteran Tom, and, and you know what, you, you kind of need that guy or, or guys, just people who've been there before, understand the moment, and understand how to, you know, compose themselves and calm the team down. And, you know, SU, the way we've been recruiting lately and, and the way, you know, players have been cyclical, we've, a, we've been able to have, you know, a third or fourth year guy really kind of hold down the fort for for several years now, even as um, there's turnover at other positions. And, you know, CJ right now is that guy. Um, and I'd say everybody else on the team, you know, has had their their moments here and there, but, but CJ's really been the rock the entire time. And, you know, St. John's just still get there, and, and I do agree. I think this is 
a very talented St. John's team, and we might not be able to see all of that this year. Um, but but as we saw for for a glimpse of the second half, um, you know, they, they they could be really dangerous, and if they get the right draw in the tournament, who knows? Um, they're not a Final Four team by any means, but it doesn't mean they can't surprise somebody or two in the opening few rounds. Um, well, what I found most surprising, I guess, about, um, I know, Matt, you said that the first half and our dominance was surprising. I was just floored by how how dead we looked for, for a good portion of the second half. I felt like offensively there was just something missing uh, rhythm-wise. Uh, I felt that, you know, without Cooney being able to uh, put up threes, I mean, and, and St. John's credit to them, played some really great defense on him, but without Cooney being able to jack up threes, I thought it really took a big element out of our game. Um, and, and again, like it's the, the big men. I, I know that there's a portion of the fan base that says, um, you know, the big men are playing well if you look at them as one player. But you know what? Like at the same time, like 12 points, 12 boards from three different guys. Like, and they're well, what kills me most is not the scoring and rebounds, though. Though that's an issue too. Is that it, it, it's the fouls and it's the awful, awful fouls. You look at the you look at the fouls that Rocky and Christmas, in particular, commit, and they're just they're just boneheaded plays for the most part. And I I I, I find it hard to believe that I'm that I'm in, in the minority there. Uh, a lot of that was that we had Carl Hess calling, and not just on Syracuse, but on, on both teams, called everything and completely, especially like towards like the middle of the second half, was just ruining the flow of the game. Um, I actually thought early on I was really impressed with uh, how the big men um, handled a backpa. I thought Christmas and, and Coleman especially um, did a really nice job of just getting right into him, uh, backing him down. Daywan scored the first four points of the game, just sealing him off. And that kind of waned a little bit down the stretch. And also, as Beheim has mentioned this week, the team as you know might start to look uh, their way early on and then you know goes away from it when they are a little more pressed for buckets. But... I thought they did a nice job early on offensively. Uh, defensively, you know, it was a bit more of an issue, especially with the rebounding. St. John's had their way, even though Samson missed a whole chunk of the game with foul trouble, and Abekpa, you know, didn't have the greatest rebounding numbers, but the rest of the team hurt hurt Syracuse pretty bad on the boards. Um, but then, as, as you said, I think this game really showed how important it is to get Cooney his shots. Um, and credit to St. John's, D'Angelo Harrison was, literally riding Cooney the whole game and didn't, like, no matter what we tried to do, throw screens, uh, you know, come off curls, like, everything he did, Harrison was all over him. So I was actually surprised because Harrison doesn't have the best uh, rep as, as a, you know, defensive player, and he's more of like a, you know, you think of Harrison as a gunner and a, a guy who fills up the, the, you know, storing sheet but takes a billion shots, but defensively he was just a menace on Cooney the whole time he was on him, so... Credit to them, but uh, it also, you know, shows that Syracuse can pull it out when, when the outside shots aren't falling, and and a lot of that was Ennis and C.J. Fair hitting those mid-range jumpers. Matt, what say you? Right, wrong? Uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I, you know, um, looking at. The big men especially, you know, Dan brought it up in the beginning. Basically, Dan usually kind of says what, what I want to say. It's probably more poignant, <laughs> though. 
Um, but yeah, I agree. And, and you know, speaking of Cooney and, and what he obviously brings to the SU offense, which you know is, is if, if Ennis doesn't step up and do what he did on Sunday, although CJ Fair is there, Syracuse loses that game. I think it's pretty fair, no pun intended, thinking that you know Ennis with 21, Fair with 21, Grant with 14, and then nothing else much from anybody, especially in the second half. And it shows. Two things. The good is, obviously, Syracuse can win a game if Cooney's not hitting against a pretty good opponent, and Cooney obviously didn't hit at all. So it's great that Syracuse got the win there. But it does show that a more cohesive team, a better defensive team, maybe it won't be had in the ACC, maybe it will be, but along the line, he's going to have to start really finding that other shooter. I love Ennis and scoring and what he can bring to the table, but he's not necessarily, at least he's not considered, he's shown shown he can do it, but he's not considered a shooter. And it's a forever problem for Syracuse, it seems like, but it, Syracuse really does need to find somebody else that can stretch the defense, specifically a zone, because I just think SU is made to zone. They're made to zone on its own, but if you're an opponent, zone the crap out of them, because they, it's like a rock fight. They just cannot shoot out there. And, you know, Dan pointed out Harrison's defense on Cooney, that's the face guard that we used to see with McNamara. After McNamara's freshman year, everybody face guarded McNamara to the point where he couldn't get open. He, he couldn't even see out in the court because somebody's face or hand was in front of him at all times. And Cooney's going to have to start getting used to that. Last year, he was a, a lost freshman. This year, he's shown he can play. Defenses are now keying in on him, which means that he's got to find somebody else that can at least hit you know, a 16, 17-footer and Cooney's going to have to learn to get open. It's, it, yeah, picks will help, and offenses flowing will help, but more importantly, he's just going to learn now. Defenses are keying in on me. This is different. This is a, I, I stepped up this year after last year. I've got to do it even further because I'm a vocal point. I'm a focal point of this offense. Yeah, I mean, that's a really great point, Matt. Um, I, I, you know what? Like, I, I was... I guess I think a lot of us were kind of ready to say, okay, like, it's not Cooney's fault that he was blanketed on defense, and I agree it isn't, but, you know, you also raise the other side of that coin is that, okay, if you're good enough, then then you need to find a way to get open. And considering that we have a point guard and an anus who can shoot, I mean, that should free up Cooney somewhere on the perimeter, I would think. I mean, no, I think Anis is a long, has a long way to go, and, and I'm... I'm thrilled about what he can be, and I think he's—I think he's not even close to his ceiling, which is insane. But but I do think that you know, like if the defense is going to key in on Cooney, then then it's up to him to hit those shots, or like hit those shots until they start coming off Cooney again, because this is going to continue to happen, and we can't just rely on you know mid-range jumpers from from Fair and Grant, because right now we're not really getting any—we're not getting much offensively um, in the paint. Um, I would say I was definitely frustrated by free throws, but I understand that this is just kind of a product of how this team plays. If you're going to, you know, get physical with the three guys in the middle, none of them can hit free throws. These things happen. Um, so I guess outside of, um, you know, the action uh, at the carry dome, at least, um, what do you guys feel about the Arizona game? Um now, a lot of us thought that Michigan was going to pull the upset to begin with, so I don't think anyone was that surprised it was that close. But, um, and we'll bring this point up again. 
I think Arizona's the number one team in the nation. I know you guys do, but I guess I'm curious. Um, you know, wh- wh- what sold you the most on that concept? We know that I think we know that either SU or Indiana is, is most deserving of number one, and I think Ohio State's a fraud at where they are, as are a couple of the other top ten teams. I'm very impressed with with Sean Miller's group. I thought winning against Duke was good. I know Duke has looked. It's just a bunch of talented players trying to come together, as is most any team really uh, at this point in December. But I'm I'm really impressed with Arizona, and I thought winning in Chrysler Arena against a very game Michigan team is uh, as, as good a win as Syracuse has. And I, I'm thoroughly impressed with the way SU went through Maui and obviously hammered Indiana. St. John's not a bad win either. Um, but I think Arizona could say, look at we have these wins, you know, we're right there as well. Both very deserving, and I do think you're right, John. I think. Those two teams, and myself, I, you know, me alone, I think Syracuse and Arizona, just given the level of the schedule, has, have proven themselves maybe a little bit above the other teams. I, I'm not saying it'll be that way come February or March, because I think Kentucky and Duke and even Carolina, which is as schizophrenic a team as you can get, I think a lot of those teams will be back where we expect them to be. But for right now, there's you could, <clears throat> you know, switch – Either of those teams for one, you know, one or the other, and, and you wouldn't even really recognize it. I, I think they're both. I mean, you would recognize it because they're a lot of the ways the same team. And uh, I was really impressed with Arizona's win over the weekend, especially not just beating Michigan, but overcoming that horribly loud, piped-in music. I know we rip on you know Vili in the past, and SU for doing that as well. But good lord, that was that was incredible. It was so loud coming through TV anyway. Not the the students, you know, not the student section, not the fans of the band there, but it, the piped-in music was just tremendous. That would throw me off my game. Not defense and not crowd or anything else. Just the, the piped-in music was just unbearable. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to see much of the Arizona Michigan game, but obviously Michigan's a team that people uh, expected would be pretty good this year, and I think you know they haven't really clicked on all cylinders yet. Um, you know, Stavstis has been mostly good, but has had a couple of games where he's disappeared. And uh, Majeri has still not hit that peak where he was in the tournament last year. But overall, I mean, you can, it's hard to question Arizona's body of work. Uh, they've, you know, they've had some close games. They they only won the dra- their demon is dreadful by four. Um, but they, you know, they've won every game. They... Um, have beaten top teams like Duke, Michigan, uh, even a pretty game San Diego State team. Uh, And, you know, everyone else besides Syracuse this year has a blemish uh, at this point, um, at least among the top teams in the country. So it's hard to argue, really. And if you want to say Syracuse has looked better, that's fine. But it's it's really pretty close, and I I don't have a major issue with Arizona. Um, They're they're really talented, and and I think they're going to be right there at the end of the year because, uh, they're good in the past 12, while it's better than it was maybe a couple of years ago. Um, there's, okay. only, there's only a couple ranked teams in the past 12 looking at their schedule. They have uh, Oregon twice, who's solid, and they have Colorado, who, who looks pretty good, and that's that's pretty much it. Um, you know, Stanford's all right, and USC, who knows what they'll be, and UCLA is okay, but um, it's not the toughest league by any chance, by any means. So Arizona should have a nice road uh, towards, like, a number one seed going forward. Um, but they're they're very good, and uh, I don't really have any. I'm not really offended by Syracuse being ranked below them by any means. I think you know at the end of the day, 
it all did settled in the tournament. So it doesn't, you know, it's nice to be number one, but it doesn't really matter by any stretch. Yeah, you, you brought up something interesting on the scheduling point, Dan. Um, you know, we can kind of sit here and throw shade a little bit at the Pac-12, but, I mean, looking at our new home in the ACC right now, I'm not really sure how much better we are, I guess, in terms of upcoming schedules. We were in a league with eight ranked teams. <laughs> Did you guys just catch that Pittsburgh game? <laughs> oh, God, no. Something good, something tech. It's another ACC loss, and it's a game that will make you want to rip your eyeballs out. So don't catch the highlights. I, You know, this might be one of the few games where they can't even show anything from the game because there was no highlight. It was, uh, I think I saw Pitt had 19 free throws to 11 field goals. Oh, I mean, this is a Pittsburgh game, so what do you expect? I mean, those two teams. 44 to 43. I'm sorry. Like, hang yeah, it up. Jared, <laughs> Jared just retweeted uh, that Gloria's, uh, let's see, Pitt outscored Cincy 19 to 1 at the free throw line. They had 19 free throws as a team, 11 field goals. That's just disgusting basketball. Because I, I, I knew this Pitt team was hiding somewhere. I mean, they, they scored a lot of points early in the year. I, I had a feeling that last year's Pitt team was was hiding somewhere in the background, and, and we found them. In in all their disgusting glory, we, we found them. Yep. Ugh. But you know what? That, that type of game, though, is what scares me about facing them. Because you look what St. John's did to us, um, in the second half, like they did write a bit of a game plan as to how to beat us because you know what, like Cal, Minnesota, Indiana, Baylor all tried to run and gun us, and it didn't work in many ways. And I think like that's how people thought they were going to beat us, and it's very obvious. Just like in the past, I mean, we saw last year grinding it down. Grinding it down was supposed to beat us last year, and while it worked during the regular season, it didn't work during the postseason. But I do think, like, if any teams want to beat us, I, I think following a Pittsburgh model could work. And, you know, Pitt's not the only team that can do that. I think Florida State can do that. I think, um, to a point, Clemson can do that. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I guess more and more I'm, I'm feeling really encouraged about our ACC schedule. I don't know what that's going to do to our strength of schedule and, and all that and the ACC's, I guess, what the ACC looks like going into the tournament, I think the Big Ten is going to have a real, real edge on the ACC going in. And, and if it's if, if there's kind of a you know muddled group at the top, who's going to get the, those top four seeds? Um, I, I do unfortunately think the Big Ten is going to get going to get the nod if, if it comes down to just who has played the tougher conference schedule. Yeah, I think it's. Um... That's fair, but I, I don't get too worried about, at this point, Syracuse and the strength of schedule ever. I think the team's just playing so well over the last couple of years that, you know, strength of schedule is something you get afraid of when you're a bubble team. Um, with SU, if they run, if they put a, a you know, a, a 15 and 3 conference record out there or something like that, that's crazy. I mean, in the and it's an ACC, it's not the, it's not the, um, you know, the A10. I think. Syracuse will have as a shot as anyone to, to pick up one of those seeds. And I don't know how many teams um, are going to be, you know, really up there with Syracuse and Arizona. 
um, for that number one seed. I, I mean, I assume Kentucky will get better, although, you know, if you look at last year, it didn't happen. Um, Kansas will probably come come uh, rise to the top a little bit. But, you know, it's never a sure thing with those young teams. And uh, right now, I, I'm as confident in Syracuse as any of those. So, I, I don't know. The strength of schedule, I guess, can be a concern. But I, I'm not going to get too worried about it unless something just awful happens to this team, which I guess in recent history it probably will. So that, once, we, once we lose Trevor Cooney, uh, his, his drug charges and, and uh, Tyler Ennis to Drake, then I'll start to get nervous about strength of schedule. Yeah, it won't be until um, like mid-March until we see the CBS story like, or the Yahoo Sports report that uh, the sky's falling. We'll be like Please 10 now. minutes off in Buffalo and like buys and I get, you know, I started out the building or something and it'll be all. <laughs> it is interesting that we, if you go back to like the middle part of the 2000s, I guess maybe McNamara's final ride and uh, a little further on, it's, Everybody was talking and worrying and concentrating on that streak, the schedule. Before that, no one really cared that much. But since that point, it's always been somewhat of a, a kind of a bane to the existence of the Orange fan of what's happening around Syracuse and what about this win and that win. And I, you know, I understand people just talk about how Syracuse doesn't leave the state or anything. <clears throat> but it is interesting that the last four or five years, given Syracuse's preseason schedule or preseason ranking, and then its ranking throughout the season strength of schedule hasn't really mattered. I think it's been a one seed or, you know, it's been slotted basically right where it should be. And uh, it, this whole debate about conference weight, you know, the levity of the schedule and everything else doesn't really matter as much because Syracuse the last four years, five years, has proven itself worthy of a high preseason ranking. The last five years that she started out 10-0, and 0, you know, no matter who they're playing, it's just eventually it kind of settles itself as SU will get Again, as, unless the wheels fall out. I guess 2011 things uh, fell apart a little bit, but for the most part, that doesn't happen to that great extent. So, Although SU may not be a one seed, it's only December. I, I would pretty much count on Syracuse being a two or three at the least. And again, I know everyone's mad that I'm jinxing this, but in all reality, it's assuming things go the way it's going to go, SU should be fine. You know, Who cares what the strength of schedule is? This, everything's going to – it's the ACC. Everything will work itself out. That makes sense. I guess for me, like, I just feel, and I think we all feel the same way, is that, um, you know, the, the media just continues to bring up this narrative of, about our schedule. I mean, I even saw, like, ESPN Power Rankings today. Um, we were number two, but there were several people that put us at number four somehow. And the people that put us number four below, in just about every case, you know, in all cases, Ohio State, and several put Louisville in front of us, too. And, and the, the caption on the Power Rankings was, um, another pretty late week with High Point coming up, and, 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 and I guess to me it's just like it's such a bold faced lie. And Ohio State, like, I know it doesn't matter. Best, best game is Marquette. Marquette literally couldn't find. Like I'm surprised they scored any points in that game. It was like the ugliest game that's been played this year. Aside from Marquette, they've played uh, North Dakota State and Maryland. With that, still without a point guard, um, Ohio like Ohio State has played a far easier schedule than Syracuse has played, so that's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. Schedule. Yeah, it just it gets to me like you know, I mean, this will go on and on 
this season just like it does every other season. It's just it, it's mind blowing how how these narratives can just be completely can just be so off base and yet so widely accepted by like the uneducated college basketball fandom. It's lazy. Just, oh, it, it's it's absolutely lazy, and, and this is. And, and, and you know, and, and this is how in the past the you know add to the list and everything else got started is because, and, and we're seen as oversensitive as a fan base, and it's not that at all. It's 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 just that we don't like stupidity. <laughs> and if, if you're going to talk about strength of schedule, then just be honest. We've played, I mean, we've played some easy teams, but who hasn't? We've also played some really tough teams. I mean, that Baylor win is only looking better and better every day. Yeah, yeah. I think it's one of those things that's just always going to be there. And it's stupid, as you said. It's lazy, and it's just it's been the narrative in the past at some point, and therefore it will always be the narrative, regardless of any validity to it. There. All right. I guess we'll move on to beer and then more basketball. And I don't believe Sean will be joining us tonight, but we can still be sure to talk about Hughes Ticks for Kids. Because at this point, we're sending the entire state of Texas to the Texas Bowl. <laughs> but, and, uh, Matt, what did you drink this week? Actually, it was just more of the same with the Magic Hat from last week. Nice. Nothing uh, nothing too extensive. I didn't get a chance to do much. Been a little busy, I guess. Which is unfortunate. Here you Dan, yourself? Um, I've actually had a chance to, to try a bunch of different things. Um, I know my last adventure into the world of Lion and Kugel didn't work out too well. Um, but this last week I, I had their, uh, Snowdrift vanilla, vanilla Porter. I didn't realize Lion and Kugel made, like, non-Shandy beers, but apparently they do. Um, and this is actually really good. I'm not a big Porter fan, uh, generally, um, but it was on special at one of the local places that my friends and I go. So um, we got a, a picture of it, and it's, it was really nice. It was, a, it was kind of crisp for a porter, um, but still fully flavored, and then had a nice little like vanilla finish, not anything too overpowering or crazy, um, but just like a nice aftertaste. And it was, it was a, a really solid beer, so good on you, Line and Kugel. Um, <laughs> and uh, far better than the, the orange shandy nonsense. Uh, and then let's see what else. I had a Serenat's, uh Wet Hop IPA, which was very good. Um, kind of pretty refreshing for an IPA, actually. Uh, I think I've had it before, but it's a really solid IPA and Serenat. So most of you guys from the Syracuse slash General Northeast area can pick that up. Um, and then Serenat, come I, I reached out to you. What do you I did mean? email them. To, uh, t- telling Saranac to come sponsor us because I did email them and I've yet to hear back. That'd be great. Um, and if you make an orange candy, I won't say anything bad about it if you sponsor us. <laughs> I'll say it's great. Um, and then I also had uh, the Mad King's Wife from uh, from Victory, uh, which is, you know, as you can probably guess, a Hefeweizen, which um, was very good. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of uh, Hefe's and Whites and those, that general genre of beer, so I uh, was not disappointed. So a couple of really good things. So go check out the Saranac, um, and the, the line in Trugal was good as well. So everything was uh, was good on the beer front this week. 
Nice. I, I want to check out Mad King's Wife because I, I really love uh, Victory's offerings. I, I can't say... I, yeah, I've never had a bad thing from them, and I've had, at this point, quite a, quite a few of their uh, their offerings. They they have a decent distribution out here in California, um, especially in Southern California. And then um, I've also had some things back east that we can't get out here. So I, I would recommend anything, Victory. You know, I saw you check into that, and I was definitely curious. But some of my beers this week. Um, Sam Adams Merrymaker uh, Gingerbread Stout um, was actually an excellent purchase. Um, friends and I are doing a uh, holiday party, and everyone's bringing, like, a uh, holiday-themed cocktail, so I decided I had a better idea, and that was a holiday-themed beer. So uh, Sam Adams did a pretty nice job here. Um, wasn't too sweet. Um, had like just the right amount of gingerbread flavoring to make you believe it, but not to the point where you just felt like you were drinking sugar. Um, did a beer trade with um, a friend of mine in Texas recently. Got to enjoy um, some St. Arnold's beers. Um, this was Barrel Number Five and Endeavor um, Double IPA, both of which uh, were really great, especially uh, Endeavor. If anyone is in the Texas area. Uh, really crisp, uh, pretty light for a double, um, just a really enjoyable drink. Um, besides that, I've uh, been drinking a whole lot of Celebration Ale from Sierra Nevada because it's just a really good holiday ale, and uh, and then Dirt Wolf from Victory, which I've discussed numerous times. So yeah, that's beer this week. I, uh, I have a whole bunch of beer waiting in my fridge that I'll be able to talk about probably next week. And then I extra beer for Christmas, so I'm looking forward to that as well. But, so I guess for a few, we had another guest for a couple minutes. Sorry, I was just looking at the call status. Um, there's a few we can talk about. Um, the Q's uh, Ticket for Kids uh, campaign that Sean's put together, which... Um, wait, wait, what? I, I, I could not think about that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I'm not just speaking for myself, but this campaign has kind of blown away um, any and all expectations um, we kind of had beforehand. <laughs> just, a, just a bit. <laughs> when Deathspin has a positive link about Syracuse, you know things are, have gone crazy. And this has a positive link about anything. Something is, yeah, something's gone off the rails. <laughs> That's very true. I mean, I'm just, I, I'm in awe about that I know, were you guys on the thread where uh, Scott Schaefer's uh, wife reached out to Sean about um, talking, to them, talking to him tomorrow? No, I missed that. No, oh, yeah. So, yeah, so Scott Schaefer's wife reached out to Sean um, to, uh, like, talk more about, like, how they can, you know, keep the momentum going, really get, like, Make the special for the kids, so um, hopefully something awesome comes from that. But hearing hearing from Mrs. Hard Nose herself must uh, must be a pretty special experience. Yeah, I mean it's just been, it's been pretty incredible. Obviously, when when he started it, not only Sean said um, in the recent update, 
Uh, I, I, you know, figure 12,000 was probably a, a solid, reachable goal, but I wasn't quite sure if we if we'd hit that. And I, by by, you know, saying this, I thought this like within the first 15 minutes of the thing starting, because after the first hour, it looked it was going crazy already. Like this thing took off from the minute that we put it up, and has just been cooking the whole time, which is pretty incredible. Like today, uh, when I finally checked in on it, I expected it to have slowed down a little bit. Although I guess that was probably unrealistic considering all the media attention that it finally got today. And someone said that it was getting like $2,000 an hour, which was more than yesterday. It's just in, insane. And it's been really awesome. Um, a, I haven't closed this thread in like two days, or the, the two threads that have been out. <laughs> uh, just because it's been fun to, you know, banter with people and see all the different um, – the, the people from all the different uh, fan bases that have been coming by. I mean, we've had UConn, we've had Maryland, we've had uh, all Alabama, Oklahoma, um, a lot of there. State, obviously. It's just crazy. Uh, the Even Georgetown uh, tweeted something. Yeah, I, I, they didn't stop in the thread, but they tweeted something, and I, I haven't even begun to look at those. Uh, it's just been really awesome. Um, and... You know, obviously it's not about the the, the fringe benefits to, to Syracuse, but it only um, does good things for, for Syracuse when it comes to bowls down the line. Um, and that's really what, you know, what it's all about. If if you can't make it uh, to a game like this, which understandably I don't think any of us are going, and I would have gladly gone to a bowl this year. It just This is one of the ones that just didn't make any sense. But, uh, you know, like, like Sean said in, in starting this, uh, obviously, there are plenty of fans who would have gone if it was a little more feasible. So instead of you know sitting on our, our hands and watching the game on TV, you know let's let's do something for you know someone else who could totally go to this and have a great time and, and use this experience. But also, you know it, it helps it helps the school and it helps you know show that Syracuse football is something that some that people care about and want to support, even if they can't make a, a five hundred dollar flight down to Texas, they can do something little that that ends up combining with all these other little people, uh, people doing these little gifts that make a huge impact. And then obviously the $2,000 gifts are just out of this world. So kudos to everyone uh, listening. I'm sure most of you have given to the, I, it feels like everyone who's chimed in on the threads has given something. Uh, so it's, it's just awesome. Couldn't agree yeah, more. I mean, for me, it was, it was, you can go for it, Dan. I mean, Matt. No, 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 John, you're, you're, you're fine. I'm just reiterating Dan anyway. I was gonna say for me it was it was just it was cool seeing all the regulars chime in and all the regulars like give, but then to see like Dan was saying like all these other folks and like you know not just the SU folks in the media but all these other media people. I mean, over every day should be Saturday. They put it up on the front page all day. It's been on the front page of uh, SB Nation College Football Hub all day. Um, I mean, Daily Gopher wrote about it. Uh, I know our Daily Bears, the Baylor blog wrote about it. APC picked up, APC blog on ACN picked up the link. So, I mean, for me, this is just, it's just really, really encouraging to see all these, like, people who otherwise aren't really associated with the, like, normal comment base um, uh, on the site to, you know, like, dive right in and just be such a big part of this. I mean, I, I, I really do wish that, like, you know, in most cases, we absolutely all love to be able to go to the bowl game, but as Dan mentioned, it, it, the fact that we can't, I mean, is, is it, it, the fact that we can't 
cause this and for all these kids to have which should be a really memorable holiday experience, then I can't complain. Did you guys see the Q-Psychologics tweet? It was from last night at the Q-Psychologics, or at Q-Psychologics maybe, actually, but uh, he tweeted Sean, and Sean threw it out there, too. He tweeted, uh, tomorrow's Onion late or tomorrow's Onion headline: Lazy Syracuse fans outsource cheering section to cheap child labor. I did, I did see that. <laughs> so I think it's just yeah, I did. I caught that last night. That might be one of my favorite tweets of all time. That was very very clever. <laughs> but I can't say anything more than you guys just did. It's it's so cool to see. It's it's even cooler. It kind of I debated about writing a little bit about it. Um, you know, you, a lot of the headlines for Sean have been. Syracuse alum slash blogger, yada, yada, yada. And, you know, when does a blog cease to become a blog and become an actual website? I, I'm not a fan of the term blog. I think it's antiquated. You know, not that this matters in this conversation, but it just proves the power of a website. And, you know, obviously he spoke to the power, or the, the fan base's mentality and, and whatever that, you know, equates to, but also the the fact is this isn't, you know, blog still I think has this negative connotation and it's it's not negative at all and it's really not a blog. It's a website and, you know, credit to Sean because he's the one that's done this all and he's the creative force. Uh, this is a much, much bigger deal than just, oh, some blogger did this. He created this force and these people that follow the site and other people that you mentioned uh, decided to donate and help out and it's just, it's so cool to see but it speaks to the power of of, you know, the Syracuse fan base, but more specifically to what Sean created. And it's not a blog, it's a website, and it's just amazing. I couldn't be more proud to be a part of it. And it's a small, small part of what Sean's been able to accomplish, but it's very, very cool to see. Yeah, and also, the Texans, you know, a lot a lot of people should probably – you know, when, whenever Syracuse has attendance issues uh, for football, people say, oh, just bring kids in or bring people in for cheap and, and let them go and they'll spend money elsewhere. I mean, that's clearly not the case with this. This just seems like the Texans want, you know, caught wind of something really early and decided to do something awesome, and that the lowering the ticket prices from $50 to $20 does nothing really for them. It's just an awesome move uh, by what seems to be a really classy organization because, you know, especially with them not putting any cap on this ticket limit, I mean, they're going to give away a lot of seats and a lot of pretty good seats, too, uh, to these kids. And it's not like the kids are going to go in and start buying up sodas and stuff. Um, it just seems like they've done it completely out of the goodness of their hearts. So so kudos to them um, for, for, you know, doing a really awesome thing and, and really buying in right from the start. Yeah, I mean, and, and I, I don't know how much has played a part um, I know that the, uh, what's it called, Texans uh, PR director is actually an SU alum, which which definitely helped. And I think, you know what, um, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but as an SU alum who graduated with a PR degree, um, I, I think that, you know, sometimes those, sometimes we're not all dead, and, and sometimes it, it results in cool things like this. Um, I just want to provide an update from Sean um, on Twitter that we're now up to $35,247.43 as of 9.30 Pacific time on Tuesday. Yeah, I think 50000 is not that out of the question by any means with uh, however many days left to go, like almost a full week. Yep. 
I think we I think we should just cap it at forty four thousand four hundred and forty four. Oh, oh man, cool. I think Orange Truck would lose his mind. <laughs> what, what's the uh what's the total price? Like is it thirty five for the ticket uh ticket soda or, or snaps and T shirt? I believe so. Something like that. I'd be thirty. Isn't the T-shirt five in the? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, that would be one thousand four hundred and eighty-one point four six 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 repeating children. Hopefully, hopefully we can sneak a, a eighty uh, one thousand four hundred eighty second. We don't have to, you know, bring partial uh, hit at the end. But that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Oh, undoubtedly, and you know what, like, I mean, Matt said it earlier, um, no matter how small of a part you were in this, whether you were a site contributor, whether you were a regular commenter, a lurker, or another fan base who showed up, you know, like, thank you for really, like, being, for being at all part of this, because for me, even as, you know, I mean, Sean's the one writing the post doing all the other work, but for me, it's been, it's been a real, like, proud and humbling experience, both being part of the site and being an SU alum and being part of this community, like, to say that, you know, we did this, and 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 that and we're gonna actually like you know make make the holidays a little bit better for some kids. But back to on the court happenings. Um, we have we actually have hard stops now, folks, so you don't have to deal with our uh, hour and twenty minute calls that devolve into throwing shade on people anymore. Hate? Maybe you like that. Or, or maybe you like that. I don't know. <laughs> while, we're, while we're at it, yeah, you know what, let's, how about we throw some shade on people? Um, <laughs> they had <have> comments. <laughs> they had comments the other day um, about, about the regionals playing favor to UNC and Duke. It just showed how thin-skinned the wine and cheese crowd down there is, um, I mean, you guys saw that Fayetteville Observer uh, response. That was like fact checking Beheim, like not realizing I mean, that Beheim doesn't concept. care about the numbers. Like they, they, he said regionals, and he clearly meant the the opening rounds. And they're like, well, technically, we've only played seven regionals. And like, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about when you play in Greensboro, three out of four years. And I want to see the numbers on those, the the first and second round games, and now the second and third round games. Like, they play in North Carolina, like, 75% of the time. So I thought that was the funniest part, is that they, they just took, like, the word regional so literally, and they're like, well, there haven't been that many regionals in North Carolina. It's like, yeah, that's not what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times have we started in San Jose or freaking Seattle or, like, some other place, like, far-reaching corner of, of, the, of the country that is, that is not even close enough for, you know, like our general group of fans. I mean, Northern California doesn't have what Southern California does alumni-wise. Like Seattle, obviously, Sean's there, but there's not like a huge base. You know, like North Carolina in particular is a state school. Like Kentucky, I feel like, is lumped in, should be lumped into that, and so should Michigan State and Ohio State. Is that all these schools, like state schools with these large alumni bases, you know, get get kind of this, the, the, these weird benefits that we don't seem to that we don't seem to enjoy as much, and I don't know if that's just typical Syracuse fan grumbling, or or whether that's you know 
actually the case, is that we just don't seem to get that preferential treatment? Is, is it because we've fallen short of having top seeds enough time? Because I'd say, like, I mean, last year, us getting a sense all the way out to San Jose, like, didn't really make any sense. But there um, we were. I saw someone say that, you know, North Carolina as a state is huge for college basketball, and there's a lot of, you know, cities that are eligible to host. And I get that. I don't have any problem with cities in North Carolina hosting. Uh, the issue is that the two North Carolina teams get put there all the time, and that's not that fair. But then when Syracuse is put in Albany once and ends up winning the national championship, uh, and they happen to play in Albany, it wasn't like like they – it wasn't like it was a, a – you know, major reason why they won the national title. They had Carmelo Anthony. People freak out. Um, so it, that just bothers me. Um, and then this year, I'm sure if Syracuse continues the, the good season that they're having and go to Buffalo and New York City, people will do the same thing. They'll Home games. <laughs> Syracuse gets to play four straight home games. While yeah, Georgetown is gets sent out to gets sent out to North Dakota, where they summarily lose to whoever they face. To, to North Dakota. <laughs> to North Dakota, because <laughs> somehow North Dakota picked up a seven seed. <laughs> and it's hosting a game in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, yeah, if they North Dakota or North Dakota State or South Dakota State in the NCAA tournament, I could not bet more money on them losing. Oh, I would love to. You know what? Cause, cause out of all those schools, I would I would buy the Jackrabbits at South Dakota State. I would totally buy them beating Georgetown. They've almost pulled off a couple upsets in recent years. Yeah. Was it, was it Michigan last year that they almost beat? Obviously didn't, but I, I'm pretty sure it was last season. Cause they, <laughs> was it, I think last year they actually – I think Michigan ran away from them last year, but I think the year before was closer. Oh, right. I know I actually picked – I picked, Sandy, I picked uh, South Dakota State to beat Michigan last year in the first round, which is why my bracket was screwed from day one. Uh, well, this year, the talk is going to get worse because if it shakes out, you guys said, you know, Madison Square Garden holds, what, 19,000, 18,000, and it's going to be 17,000 as you makes it to the regional day, whether it's, you know, the finals on Saturday or Sunday. It's going to be, there'll be way more people there than even in Albany. Albany was a home game, practically. So I think that... Um, let me tell you, it was just at an SU game at Madison Square Garden. Um, I tweeted from the game that the bottom section was mostly St. John's, and they did a good job of getting like their fans where they needed to be for the cameras. But there was still a very large amount of, of uh, Syracuse fans in the bottom uh, bowl of the garden. And the upper bowl, I said that I could count 12 St. John's fans total, and that was not a joke. I was trying to count how many red dots I could see throughout the upper bowl. Uh, there were none in any of the sections by me, and I counted throughout the entire upper bowl of of the dart, and I could see 12 people wearing red clothes. So it was unbelievable how many Syracuse fans were in the upper. Like I would argue, about 95 percent of the upper bowl of Madison Square Garden was Syracuse. So well, Fox Sports One would never show that though, because it it, yeah, it didn't fit their narrative. And I, I've never seen such a such a partial. Um, coverage like uh, team that then we saw in that game. I mean, I didn't see the broadcast. Gus Johnson was openly rooting for St. John's. I think Gus Johnson. Yeah, uh, no, I think he's just rooting to scream. <laughs> he just wants the uh, the good, you know, the, the game that will boost him up. 
so he can be, you know, do his shtick. Because if it's not a good game, he can't beat him. So I think he just perpetually roots for a close game so he can just yell incessantly. I, and I'm a fan to an extent, but, boy, he just, you know, St. John's at one point cut it to nine. They took a three-pointer, and he literally just was like, oh, and the three-pointer missed by 15 feet. But he just so wants it to be a close game. He started nonsensically screaming when St. John's took a one-point lead with, like, eight and a half to go or something. <laughs> like, dude, calm down. Like, this game is far from over. You know what I see happening, just getting back to the garden for a second? I, and if this is football, it would absolutely in some form or another happen. But I see SU, if, if it's a one seed, somehow or another, Connecticut will be in that draw, and Connecticut and Syracuse will be the teams in the regional final in the garden. That would be like the oh, they're neutral absolutely, They're absolutely designing that so that we face at least Georgetown, if not UConn as well. I, 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 I think it's just for the you know, the fan base. You know, I've been at the Garden. I've been lucky enough for to, to see that. And SU, the one uh, 2005 for the Big East tournament, Syracuse was, I think, like a seven or eight-point dog and was up 18 throughout the first half. It might have even been worse in the second half, or it might have been late first half. And I was there with, with my brother and some friends, and we were just, like, having the greatest time. It was all SU. All I could hear was people chanting, cheering. Connecticut won, like, a 10-0 run. And all of a sudden, like 15,000 people that you couldn't see two seconds before stood up, and it was all the Connecticut fans. It was unbelievable to see. So for as much as Syracuse owns the Garden, and again, you know, it rightfully does, Connecticut is a massive draw down there. And I I just feel like it's this either divine destiny of some sort or just simply, you know, the, the execs working it out one way or another through TNT and CBS. But Syracuse, Connecticut, and the Garden seems inevitable to me. Yeah, those games are always. I mean, the last two Syracuse UConn Garden games were um, the Kemba Walker run where they beat us in overtime, and then obviously before that the six overtime games. So I agree. I mean, if there's any any like funny business going on with the scheduling, um, I could totally see a or Elite Eight uh, like one four two three seed game uh, set up. It just it would be so it would be nuts. And those tickets would be so expensive, and I would spend all the money. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I guess uh, closing thoughts, since we've we've only got about, like, five minutes to go here. Again, I know know the running clock is going to be an adjustment for us. But, uh, (laughs) Matt, closing closing thoughts on basketball. Obviously, we can wait on football until next week um, before the poll game. Yeah, just get through high point. <laughs> no, no injuries for Syracuse. No crazy December style controversies, and just get through this part because Nova is waiting on the other side eventually. And the Wildcats are, to me at this point, and from, you know, watching them play uh, in that battle for Atlantis, uh, they look good. They look real good. I know since then they've won a lot of games, but with Sal, you know, the, the big five, those games aren't. They're fun for people down there, but they're not all that competitive usually. But Villanova looks like a really good team. So that's coming. And then the ACC is coming. So I see you just get through this point through Bayheim, blow out high point, and Cooney's got to get back on track. Teams are gunning for you, so start to uh, prepare for that. Start to be, you know, start to realize that you are kind of the marked man out there. They took McNamara. I don't know if McNamara ever really got used to it. So we'll see if Cooney can adjust. 
Dan, what do you got for us? Um, yeah, just looking forward to a nice easy one this week and in tie point. Uh, and then, obviously, the Nova's not for a while, but um, it's weird that all of the games are so spread out right now. But it's nice to kind of cruise along towards that. And, and the back-to-back days of Texas Bowl and Villanova is going to be a lot of fun. Um, and then uh, going along with what we were just talking about, um, I would also like to uh, play Georgetown in the second round of the tournament if they make it that far uh, so they can come up to Buffalo as a... Yeah, playing Georgetown in the second round of the tournament does kind of imply they'll win the first game. So, <laughs> If they make it past their, their nine seed, um, I think Georgetown will probably be about an eight seed right now. Uh, that'd be a fun Buffalo game. Um, they don't bring any fans either, so it wouldn't be all that scary. And just the only thing is it makes me nervous because I hate a, a, an opponent that's familiar with you in round two. Sounds like a recipe for disaster, and maybe this is just, you know, typical sky is falling Syracuse fan going. But it's um, my closing thoughts with the... Uh, the time we have remaining. Uh, stay healthy. I think is a big thing for the for this year's team. Um, I mean, obviously, like High Point and Eastern Michigan look like pretty manageable games. Um, and obviously, I don't want to count any chickens before they hatch. Villanova game is going to be tough, and the last night I won is in any of those three games. For us to lose any key pieces, um, you know, this is this, this is a really good team. I don't want to jump the shark yet just yet and say that you know this is some sort of like this is some sort of a team of destiny, a team that has unfinished business, but at the same time, you know, this is a squad that has the potential to round into championship form. We just kind of have to I mean, I think I think luck is the biggest the biggest factor here and just staying healthy, um and you know, avoiding avoiding that upset loss that inevitably happens in conference play, um, even in some of our best seasons. Which is not a bad thing, you know. I think it's character building in many ways. I think you need to lose. I think you need to lose a game or two. I mean, we're looking at a team like Kentucky that was, um, you know, handed a crown before the season started. Everyone told me they were going undefeated. That team's already lost three games. Oh, thanks, British lady. So, the uh, robotic British woman told us we have 90 seconds to go. So I guess we'll wrap it up there. British woman um, isn't robotic, you know. Brazil Youth Sports make me drink here on the Trying News Athlete Magician Podcast Network. I'm John. That was Dan and Matt. Uh, go Orange. Good night, America. Yeah, everyone. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then, if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once-a-year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, 
Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. <laughs> 